what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Nursing Uncharted, the podcast that delves into all the different ways that we can use this license. We go into advanced practice degrees, um, outpatient, inpatient. Um, we cover it all here. Thank you so much for being with us today. This episode is sponsored by AMN Passport. AMN Passport is an app that AMN has created. It's a travel healthcare's highest rated mobile app. And it helps you find assignments, book assignments, and manage assignments all from your phone, which puts you on the fast track to your next travel job. You receive instant job match notifications when you download AMN Passport today. So today we are getting into an advanced practice degree, which is always cool because we're always, I, a lot of us think about going back to school, and that's DNP programs, uh, Doctorate of Nursing Practice. And so here to talk about that with me is nurse Allison Pennington. Allison, she's been, she's an RN BSN. She got her BSN in 2019. Um, so she's been a nurse for four years. She actually started on labor and delivery and then moved to medical ICU um, during COVID. So COVID uh, ICU mix. And now she's back in school getting her master's and her doctorate to become a nurse practitioner. She also has a YouTube channel that is becoming really popular. Um, she vlogs about her life and an Instagram account where she showcases coffee and baking creations, and it's her cat's Instagram. So you can find her at Allison Pennington, and her cat's Instagram is Ollie P Cafe, and we'll link those counts below. <laughs> so Allison, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Maggie, for having me. <laughs> Did you ever think that you and your cat would be like, you know, content creation, Insta famous? Um, absolutely not. Honestly, I started it. I was sitting on the couch bored over Christmas break and I was going, just baking all these Christmas cookies and I decided to put them on an Instagram and look at us now. Yeah. <laughs> famous. Famous. <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on to talk to me about DNP school. So Absolutely. how is DNP school going right now? Like what's, how is, uh, yeah, how is it going? It's, it's going, thank goodness. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, let's see, I started back in the fall of mm -hmm. this year or of twenty. What year is that? 2022. <laughs> um, and the tr transition from full-time worker to a full-time student was absolutely insane to me as, mm. yeah, kind of as an ICU nurse, we are constantly moving. It is so fast paced. Yeah. And I didn't realize that the transition from my own pace, moving quickly, having all those critical thinking skills would move towards the academic setting where I sit in a chair all day and I can't mm. move. So that has been that has been a secret challenge that I wasn't necessarily expecting. <laughs> um, but you know, we're getting through it. Um, yeah, I'm getting through it, you know, one day at a time. Did you feel like you did you know what you were getting going into? Like, is it as what you expected it would be? Or is it kind of, you know, when you thought of going back to school, is it what you thought it would be or is it different? I had a rough draft in my head of what it would be. Mm -hmm. And when I started the program, it was a lot different where it was this, 
it was the same, you know, you go to class, you do your assignments, you submit them, mm-hmm. you know, fun, fun, fun. But when I started, I didn't know, I didn't realize and recognize the people around me would be a lot different. Like no one's in my age group. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. I'm learning all of these things that are just going from a competent and confident nurse to somebody that's surrounded oh, by no. even more confident and competent nurses. <laughs> I, was, I was very, really? I was humbled. I was incredibly humbled. <laughs> 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 and I was like, well, we're all on this journey together, so we all have to uh, be friends. <laughs> that is so true because, I mean, not to knock nurse, there is a little bit of a melting pot, I think, sometimes when it comes to nursing. And when you were like are in school for your doctorate degree, you're like, oh, everybody around me is like very smart, yeah. very, yeah, exactly. very successful. Because like when we're working and we're surrounded by all of our, you know, nurse clinician colleagues, they're like, oh, you're so smart. You're going back to get your doctorate. And I'm like, yeah, okay. But when you're in the classroom setting, all of these people. Am I the dumbest person? (laughs) The dumbest person in this classroom. (laughs) I'm sure everybody feels, everybody has imposter syndrome. I'm sure like the first day. What was was the first? I am not supposed to be here. (laughs) Yeah. That just made me think like, what was that first? day like do you remember that first day oh man that first day let's see back in the fall semester yes let me talk about it so my program is (laughs) my program is built I'm in a BSN to DNP program and it's accelerated so I have master's classes and doctorate classes at the same time um, which are intertwined with people that are just getting their master's or just getting their doctorate so some people in my doctor courses are already nurse practitioners, so to even mm-hmm. humble me more. Um, <laughs> but that first okay. day, <laughs> that first day, I was in master's courses of like a research and biostats course and pathophysiology, mm-hmm. and I was also in two doctor courses, um, technology and a seminar. So any. I just remember being in those courses, the master's courses of pharmacology and research and biostats were hitting me mentally in the content area. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I have to learn all of these new things. Um, So I'm not the best in pharmacology and, you know, I need to just learn all these new things and research and biostats. Who's good at math? Mm. No one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all be honest. We got seasoned statistics. Honest. That's how we're in nursing school. Yeah. Yeah. So, and being able to interpret that was was a challenge in itself. But when I got to those doctorate classes, when I haven't even become a nurse practitioner yet, um, I didn't even have my master's yet, and I'm with these other students that have their masters and other people have MBAs and I'm just yeah. like, like I cannot believe this so that's when my true imposter syndrome really sat in that first day yeah I, said, I am not supposed to be here I'm oh not gosh. supposed to be here but you I know I put that deposit way. down so I am <laughs> yeah, I really <laughs> know I am <laughs> <laughs> No oh takesies, backsies. <laughs> yeah right I paid for this degree yeah. I'm getting it that is, so yeah, funny. I would be in the same boat. I would do the same exact thing. I, I was like, when you said research and biostats, like what even is biostats? Is that like re, like learning how to read studies? 
Yes. Okay. That's exactly what it is. We get handed all of these articles and you don't actually do math in the class. You just have to learn how to interpret the math. Yeah. Um, so that was a fun find to have to not do math in that course. But <laughs> I actually feel like this is a little off topic, but not really. But I feel like it would behoove nurses so much to be able to learn how to read studies. Like, yes. I don't want to have to go get my doctorate in order to learn how to see, exactly. know what a good study is. Like, I would yes. love for that to, like, make its way into, like, bachelor's nursing. Yeah, seriously, bachelors or even competencies when you get to your whatever hospital you're working at, just having because a lot of program or hospitals have nurse residency programs now. Yeah. So maybe throwing that in so you can get at least get paid for it. Yeah. Instead yeah. of mm-hmm. paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, definitely that, that's a good idea. To make that's so true because like there's so much harp on evidence-based practice and it's mm-hmm. like, but if you don't know how to like read the okay. studies that you're, and sometimes they're just really exactly. complicated and like bad studies look like good studies until you like are able exactly. to analyze what the, and it's like, I don't even know when I say that, I don't even know what I'm talking about because like, yeah. I, I don't, I can't tell the difference. So, I, know. Yeah. I know it's really important to pick a study that is actually credible. <laughs> so yeah. I've learned. Um, so, so that was like one of your like day one courses. Did you just like hit the ground running? Like they were just like, okay, we're getting right into all the content. There was no like syllabus day. (laughs) I was going to say, luckily I'm so blessed because the first week, um, of my fall semester. So it's kind of when all the new students are coming in. We Mm kind of had a syllabus week, uh, just to kind of get acclimated with the parking and okay. where people like the academic portal, mm-hmm. I cannot say the same. I didn't receive the same grace for spring semester because everyone, yeah. everyone knew where to park. Where to park. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can't pull that on us. Again. So first day we hit the ground running and I was like, whoa, did not prepare for this. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. But we made it through. Yeah. The first week of the spring semester was definitely, definitely tough, but the fall semester, we kind of eased into it. <laughs> what do you think are some of the biggest differences between when you think about what undergrad was like versus what grad school has been like so far? Oh, let's see. So undergrad, I'm lucky enough to go to the same undergrad and graduate school. So okay. my undergrad experience was very heavily focused on the social life. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't really focus on, you know, the <laughs> academics. But, you know, we did well. We did well. We made it. Yeah, we're here. <laughs> we're here. Yeah. Uh, we passed the NCLEX. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so uh, with undergraduate, I feel like we are so focused on tangible things to turn in. We had all of these mm. papers that I had to write on, I don't want to say silly topics, but I'm going to say silly topics. And all of these just assignments that were kind of made up just so we could turn something in. Sure. And then more in graduate school. First of all, in graduate school, my social life has turned into like doing laundry and beating the community grocery rush. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I'm focused on now. But in graduate school is more discussion based. So they will hand you Mm. articles and stuff to kind of guide the class. But truly, as I mentioned earlier, I'm surrounded by so many people 
that have so much more experience than me. And I'm learning from the professor, but I'm also learning around the people around me. I'm not entering this program with people around the same age as me or not even knowing what an NG tube is. You know, these people probably invented the NG tube that are around me. It's just like, it's just, I'm blown away by how much I'm learning, but in a different way than undergrad discussions. So what is graded then? participation. And when I first read that on the syllabus, it says, you know what, 15% participation. I was like, Oh, great. I just have to show up, (laughs) show up and sit down and, you know, vibe, listen to the PowerPoint. But (laughs) absolutely incorrect. You have to actually participate. I learned that in my first semester, and I got a few dings off when I was just sitting, but you truly participate. (laughs) And in discussion, and you go to things outside of class you don't have to that's kind of like extra credit participation but Mm. when you show up and it's very evident that you're reading the materials that they send out to you and you're just engaging in conversation so that's a lot more subjective it sounds Mm -hmm. like it's a lot more subjective than concrete like you have to do this prompt and like i'm gonna grade you on that exactly yeah sometimes we don't even go over the readings that were assigned to us We'll just talk about whatever we want to. And like, really? It's so fun. Do you but- ever pull <laughs> in um, things that are happening at work? Like do – I guess – well, it probably depends on the class. But like do you feel like you see something at work and you're able to like talk about it at, in class? Or like mm-hmm. do they overlap at all? Or do you feel like you're you know, learning something completely different than like what you're seeing in clinical, in at work, I mean, in actual work, yeah, it definitely overlaps, and it's so amazing to hear everybody else's stories after they have worked that week, and then we come back to discussion, and we spend about an hour just talking about all of the crazy patient medical stories that we have heard, and yeah. relating that to you know what happened and what we can do to better that patient care. And hearing all of these stories surrounding me, I'm like, this is because then I hear them and then I implement that back to work when I'm working. So So that's like part of that's like part of your coursework then to apply what you're currently seeing at work. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, that's cool. It is. And then I have a colleague at work who um, we were talking about a certain procedure and I knew it wasn't evidence-based so that's when I pulled in those articles and I totally did the journal search and I was like look at these articles you've been doing it wrong <laughs> it, yes. was, it, was more, <laughs> it was more of like a just being kind of a goofy moment but it was <laughs> it was really silly to see that I actually am doing what I'm learning in class <laughs> that's so uh, I mean that's the whole I think benefit to having nurses that are in school because you're constantly being forced to like look at evidence and data and stuff (laughs) and we're like actually I'm improving the unit that I'm on while I am (laughs) improving myself yeah yes right so uh, let's backtrack like tell me about what what it was like to apply or like how you get started even to you know from like searching different DMP programs to like you know getting accepted what was that like Yes, that is a whole experience. So 
in my personal experience was quite a journey. Um, but most programs, like we said, require a statistics course. So definitely want to get that guy in um, within five years, even if you don't plan on applying the next year, just, just do it. It's, within five years? So like yes. the one, so you have to take an, sec, a, a second, I'm like over <laughs> my words because I don't want to take a statistics course again. Dang. Yeah. Okay. So most, most programs that I have looked at, they have to have a statistics class within five years of applying. And then pretty standard to have three references, one usually academic and then two professional. Um, but actually applying to that and getting those kind of checks and balances um, within line was long and just a horrible waiting process. Yeah. Because it just takes forever to wait for references to get in, for the application mm-hmm. to get put in. And then, so it was like a year long application I applied to, I think about five schools, but. Wow. And each of them tough. like cost a little bit of money to, to apply, right? Yes. Each application. So there's a lot of hidden, hidden money everywhere in there. You have your <laughs> application that's like $80. You have your stats class that you have to retake. That's about, um. It was like $500 that I just had to pay out of pocket. Had to pick oh. up a crisis shift for that one. <laughs> and then, yeah, right. <laughs> um, and then just then schmoozing all the people that you need a reference for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking if you need one academic one, then you have to go back to like the people, like professors from nursing school from your bachelor's, exactly. I would say. Unless you want your statistics professor to give you a I know <laughs> that uh luckily so I'm within kind of the range of my professors still might know who I am so I reached out to them and yeah but for the people that are a little bit more mature than I am in the nursing world I can figure that that could be a challenge finding right remember professors me? <laughs> remember me, remember me thousands back. of students ago <laughs> Come back. Can you write me a recommendation? <laughs> you can just copy paste from Google. <laughs> yeah. Right. I already wrote it. I just need yeah. you to like put your name on it. And, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, and then two professional ones. Does it have to be like management or it can be any like just like a coworker? It can, yeah, it can be a coworker. I since I was going into a nurse practitioner or like a family nurse practitioner doctorate program, I picked two nurse practitioners. Oh, cool. So that's what I did. I mean, you can pick whoever you want. You can pick a manager or things like that. I know a lot of my colleagues picked their management team. Mm, okay. Mm. So the, the, um, court, the <laughs> school that you're currently in, it's a hybrid school. It's a master's and your DNP. Mm-hmm. They have okay. different types of programs. So there's a regular full-time doctorate program or the accelerated program, which is three years. What's the normal length of time for four uh, years, four years, two years, master's and two years doctorate. So okay. I'm going to knock that all out in three years. And hopefully. would they, yeah, <laughs> you got a little wiggle room in there, right? Yeah. It doesn't have I know, to be I accelerated. Back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can always go back one. <laughs> yeah. Um, what does your, so we talked a little bit about the 
courses that you started like on day one, what is the rest of the course? What, you know, what is the course content, I guess, for a DNP program? For a DNP program, the, so in my first semester, that's when I had the majority of my doctorate classes, or at least two of them to get the ball rolling. Um, they were asynchronous hybrid. So the majority of them were discussions online, but then once a month, we would all meet with each other in a, in a classroom. And then we would mm-hmm. have a huge discussion that was like three hours long. Oh um, but you only got to do that once a month. So I was like, this is okay. <laughs> this is okay. <laughs> but my master's courses, I have to, <laughs> so for example, this semester, I go into class Tuesday or Thursdays and Fridays. Okay. Thursdays is our, our health assessment lecture and health assessment lab. And then mm. on Friday, that is my most taxing day because I have a nursing history class that is three hours from 8 a.m. to oh. 11 on a Friday. Talking about nursing history. Oh, and <laughs> like, and what then, about nursing history? Yeah. Like Florence Nightingale? Florence Nightingale and the history <laughs> of the theorists of uh, nursing. My professor is so wonderful, but it's just, it's so long. And it's at yeah. 8 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. And then I have pharmacology at from the two to five. So I can't. Brutal. I'm done. Fridays are brutal. This is <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's awful. I remember what I was going to say. So do most people, um, they don't work while they're in the program? Like, does it allow you to work at the same time or is it normally, are most people just full-time students? Most people actually, I have noticed are part-time students and then they work full-time. Otherwise people that are working or that are in school for full-time, they cut back on their hours and probably just work part-time. Okay. In my experience, since I am an accelerated person, I yeah. only work once a week. I'm PRN as needed. I work most every, every Monday is when I'm scheduled to work. Okay. Okay. And then class is Thursday, Friday. So most – so, okay. So are people in your program part-time – like they're part-time students in an accelerated program or are they normally doing like they are so this gets a little tricky in my program because it's I'm accelerated but the person next to me could be part-time and then the person next to me could be a full-time doctorate student or a full-time master's student or a part-time master's student interesting like everyone is different and at different points in their curriculum so I'm, hmm. I could be sitting here crying tears because I have so many assignments that I have to get done. And the person next to me is just chilling because they're they only taking one. two courses. And I'm oh. like, oh, I wish so, I was you. <laughs> so you won't necessarily, like the people that you start DNP school with, you won't necessarily graduate. You won't graduate all at the same time. Correct. Mm. There, there might be like a handful of people. Like I can count like four on my hands that I might walk the graduation thing with. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Does that make it kind of like a tight knit group? Like those four, like the four of you? I think so. And then especially in my master's program, I'm in family 
family nursing practice or the nurse practitioner for family medicine. And that group also becomes kind of tight knit because we're all in health assessment right now. We're mm. all in pharmacology right now. And then in pharmacology, there's a separate seminar associated with it for only family nurse practitioners where we focus on medications that will most likely be prescribing. Um, So we're all together again, and that's a group of 10 of us. um, And we've all become pretty close as well. But that's probably the last time I will be working with them as we'll move on. But it's been a good semester so far getting to know them, making connections. So so you're going for your FNP, but then with a doctorate. So what made you want to kind of go that route? Like, why wouldn't, why did you choose to get like a DNP on top of that instead of just your master's? Yeah, absolutely. I chose a DNP versus um, obtaining my master's just because I want to move at, or I want to function at the top of my game within the field of nursing. Yeah. Um, And because it's offered, I'm going to go for it. Um, And because I'm going to school, I might as well just knock it all out um, to the best of my ability. Um, but just everything I'm learning in this program and the relationships definitely, like we've mentioned, improved my patient care that I'm working with currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to help advance the field of nursing because, you know, I still, I love, I love nursing so much and I would love to mentor, um, new nurses and eventually work in academics myself. Oh, cool. Um, just to build that credibility of having, you know, a doctor in front of your name and the DNP behind it, um. To show to show those students that I can do it and you can do it too. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love that absolutely. Mm-hmm. That is so. Do you think that you is your goal academia or like do you think that you like what do you want to do with your FNP after school? Yes, with my FNP, I so I currently work in critical care, but as we talked about, I did labor and delivery, mother baby before, and I would love to go back to working maybe in an OBGYN clinic after I graduate. So I think that would, that I love pregnant people. (laughs) They are my favorite, (laughs) they're my favorite population to take care of. So I'm hoping to work in an OBGYN clinic um, when I graduate and then just help out those new mamas, you know? Do you have a, is there like a, if you want to specialize in something, is there an avenue for that in your schooling? (laughs) Not the schooling of FNP is kind of just generalized. However, when you are in the clinical placements, you get to choose which clinical Mm. placements you want. So I'm going to kind of take some student health and some family medicine or internal medicine um, placements, but I'm going to more focus on OBGYN, infertility, things of that nature, just so I can um, have more experience in that when I graduate. And yeah. gain connections for when I graduate so I can get a job. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that that whole process it, of like finding a, you know, clinical or a, a clinic to go to or I've, I've heard that that's difficult. Finding somebody to like shadow. Precept you. Precept, yeah. yeah. That is difficult. I'm currently going through that rough journey right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> where and- <laughs> in where in school does that land, that whole process? That is about at second year. So okay. I'm in first year. Second year is all clinicals because after my after two years of my three-year program, I graduate with my nurse practitioner degree. 
Okay. It's two years nurse practitioner, and then my last year is fully doctorate program. Okay. So I will be an NP next spring if I pass on my things. But <laughs> so that, yeah, second year, that's when you start applying for all that stuff. Okay. It's rough. Do you have to, <laughs> will you like walk to get that degree in the middle of like still continuing to get your doctorate or is it all at the end? <laughs> Probably. It. You can walk to get your degree. You can. You get this my school hands out these giant degrees which I love because I'm like I truly paid for that so so it's just massive diploma and so I get that after my second year and you can walk I'll see how I'm feeling that that year but the my true walk of like accomplishments will be after uh, my doctorate yeah and then I'll get another big diploma so I'll just have three huge diplomas just wow this like a new wallpaper. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Make sure they're on your YouTube channel, like in the yeah, background, yeah. casually, like yeah, you know, step into my house. Yeah. Look at so my school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, four times. Yeah. <laughs> so that last year in fully doctorate, what does that look like? That is a lot of library time for you to get your project done. Your project is the huge thing of the doctorate program where you have to come up with this, basically a clinical solution to apply and try to implement it and research it. It's a huge like research project. And I have no idea what my topic is going to be yet. Most likely something to do with uh, OBGYN, but we, you know, TBD on that one. Stay tuned. Uh, (laughs) But do they, do they third year? Do they tell you to start like brainstorming that and thinking of it like now? And then yes, they start or they try to get you started brainstorming. And then if you're really having a hard time, they actually give you some very good ideas to get you started if you're really lost. <laughs> just do this. Just this yeah. is a big problem in the yeah. hospital system. Exactly. Just do this. Literally our hospital, so our school is connected to a hospital system and they're like, here are the problems in our hospital. So you can fix them. That's actually that's you know and I'm like, show me the list, I'll do it right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh so then so gosh, so that's a whole year of just really research and And I mean because that's what your doctorate is for the most part right it's all it's Mm -hmm. all just like elevating the the you know advanced practice degree that you currently have so it's like there's probably Mm -hmm. no clinical in the doctorate Mm. yes it's very key point to know that the doctorate nursing program is not a role changing degree it is an academic degree so mm-hmm. I won't be able, so if, cause you can get a doctorate and not be a nurse practitioner. You can be yeah. a, a nurse specialist. You can be a nurse anesthetist. You can be sure. a midwife. You don't have to be a nurse practitioner. So it's an academic degree to fully function of your nurse. Okay. Gotcha. And that project. So <laughs> I've heard horror stories that it's like a thousand page document that you have to like yes. come up with. <laughs> How true is that? <laughs> um, pretty true. Pretty true. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I'm like, we'll see when we get there. But we started talking about it and, or listening to students that are about to graduate going through that process and mm. them saying that they need to get, you know, their project published 
lack of communication between doctors and nurses all the time. And I think it would be so great to see some kind of preceptor or shadowing experience, some type of like program so that we have a better understanding of each other and each other's days. And, um, I think that that would foster respect and like open communication and it would just be so, I would love to see somebody do that (laughs) somewhere. I tried not in a doctor, not in a doctorate level, like coursing thing to do. But when I first started um, my nursing career as a bachelor's level nurse, I said, can I shadow the doctors for a day to see what they do and and like understand why they're not answering my pages? You know, in in labor and delivery there. So then I realized they're they're doing C-sections like all morning. And I'm like, okay, that makes, you know. Yeah. So like this colace, like can wait, I guess. Yeah, right. With Coles <laughs> and like the 325 of Tylenol, can like, I can wait, you know, an extra 15 minutes. But <laughs> but then on the flip side, so they can shadow me as well to know that, you know, I might not get their thing right away because I have to do all of these other things Yes. Too. I think it would be so beneficial to have something like that. And it's just like you talking about integrating critical care with labor and delivery and like vice versa. I think that that's, it's, it just fosters better care when you know more about like what to expect in a situation and you're more comfortable. Yeah. That could definitely, that could be a great one. Hopeful. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you'll see me in a publication. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. We'll promote it. We'll promote it on the podcast. (laughs) We'll come back here. (laughs) Yes. Seriously, maybe we should have you back on when we're like, when you're done with the DMP program and you're like looking back and like, (laughs) I I can't imagine. In the background. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Look, I did it. There we go. There we go. Well, do you have any advice for people that are thinking about going into DNP programs or, you know, things that you maybe wish you would have known, you know, like last fall going into? Uh, yes, so much advice. So whoever is watching this, I want you to take notes right now because <laughs> there will never be a perfect time. There will never be a perfect time to apply to graduate school. Life mm. throws things at us all the time. There will just never be a perfect time. The thing is, you just have to make that timing perfect and apply to that schooling and show up. And then whatever life throws at you, just adapt it to the graduate program that you're already in. Mm -hmm. So do that statistics course. (laughs) Do that statistics course. Just get that done. Just get it over with. (laughs) Is it Um, any statistics course? Is it like, can you just like go to any school and like get those credits? Most, most programs, again, I've noticed on their application websites, they have approved mm. statistics courses that courses that you can take. Okay. Um, and they almost always have an associated community college um, with mm. the exact course number. So you don't mess it up or take the wrong one. I accidentally took uh, the oh wrong my. chemistry when I was applying. I took chemistry for engineers. That's how I have an association no. engineering. <laughs> <laughs> just a little side just, plug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I dabble in this a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why is this so hard? <laughs> I did that in my undergrad with um, macroeconomics. I wanted to know about my finances. 
No, I it was like no. supply demand. I was like drowning the whole time. I had no idea. My brain did not yeah. think like that. And <laughs> I got a B in class. Yeah. But I was like, good. I that was good. completely pointless. Completely and I was pointless. so stressed out the whole semester <laughs> because I just could not I didn't understand anything what was going on. Yeah, get Man. the course number. That's good get advice. The course number <laughs> to make sure you're taking the right course. And then another thing for advice is no matter where you're working right now, start schmoozing your mentors so they can mm. write you genuine uh, recommendations. So you okay. can get some three good, three solid recommendations that you can send in because mm. those matter because what other people are saying about you is a huge reflection of yourself. So yeah, get some good ones. Start schmoozing. Um, always put your best foot forward in whatever job you're doing right now, so you show people in the future that you're already killing it wherever you're at. Now. Yeah. Um, also, get a certification. Mm. Most college programs don't. They don't expect you. Not expect you, but don't require one. They don't require one, but it's. Mm-hmm. It is such an up on your resume um, because it's not only kind of just showing that you're credible in whatever field that you're in, but it's also showing your willingness to learn and improve in your career. Mm. And big, big key point on learning because you're going to have to do that all throughout the program so that they're, they're looking that you are already excelling in what you're doing right now um, by just receiving a certification. So that's a big characteristic um, that they can see just by that certification. And I'm, I'm sure that it just even because I have my I have a certification in neuroscience, and but I'm sure like it helps that because you, you don't have to relearn it in school. Exactly. You know, like some of the I'm sure we were talking about imposter syndrome in the beginning of this episode, and it's like mm-hmm. I can't imagine if you're like trying to learn some of those things that you could have learned with like a critical care certification. Exactly. And, and then something on top so of silly else. on that. Yes. I knew I was accepted into the program and I actually didn't have a certification when I applied and got accepted, but I wanted to get my certification. Just as you mentioned, I kept calling it, um, a pregame <laughs> because it's just <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a pregame so you're just like bullish studying all of this stuff and mine's in my CCRN so it's all basically medical things and yeah I had pathophysiology that fall and I remember I just learned that a couple months ago when I was studying for my CCRN so it's not foreign news to me because I just yeah. just read about it a couple months ago. So yeah. That was really helpful too. Like also certification for a pregame, <laughs> pre-game for, yes. your, for your program. That is all very good advice. Yes. Awesome. And then most importantly, just be comfortable with becoming uncomfortable because I'm uncomfortable mm. most every single every single course that I am entered into. I again am surrounded by all of these intelligent scholars, and I feel so much like I'm not supposed to be there, but if you're not uncomfortable, you're not learning. So just, just know that. And then that's normal and that's valid and keep going. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, just like we were in nursing school to get our nursing license. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I wasn't supposed to be there. And now now look at us. Yeah. And now we're just not, now look at us. (laughs) (laughs) So you're just reverting back to that. And then we'll get to that point again, where 
I'm going to watch this video in a couple of years and be like, no, look at me. <laughs> with all my degrees. Yeah, with all my, my wallpaper of degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would, I would definitely say, like, give yourself some grace, like, when mm-hmm. you're going through and feeling like you know nothing because you're there for a reason and you know I'm sure the process the whole like admission process is very selective so you're you're there for a reason you know you can do it and yeah you should be very proud of yourself Allison (laughs) thank you (laughs) I am very proud now that I've gotten over that admission barrier (laughs) like now that I'm in the program I'm like yes now that I'm past fall semester, truly, I am like, I am meant to be here. These are my people. This is what I'm meant to do. Um, so I got all, all over those um, initial feelings. And now we're just rocking and rolling. <laughs> we're, getting, awesome. we're getting through it. So. Uh, well, good luck with the rest of your schooling. Yeah. And I can't wait to hear. Uh, we're going to have to have you on again, like I said. I we'll, we'll talk about the aftermath. And you yeah. can like, you know. <laughs> Just I might be have relaxed. Like, some more <laughs> yeah, you look <laughs> gaunt and broken, yeah. <laughs> but so <laughs> smart. <laughs> yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Allison. Well, where can we find you? Where can people follow your journey and and oh, yeah, all of you? So things. many places. <laughs> um, I have an Instagram. It's just Allison Pennington, spelled two L's and a Y, because I have an exotic name. And um, I have my coffee Instagram as well, which is Ollie P Cafe. And then most importantly, my new thing that I'm doing is a YouTube channel. And that is also just Allison Pennington here on YouTube. Awesome. All right, Allison. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about this. It was such Absolutely. a fun conversation. Yeah. <laughs> All right, girl. Well, I, I will talk you. to you soon then. All right. Talk to you soon, Maggie. Bye. <laughs> That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in to Nursing Uncharted. To learn more about today's episode, make sure to explore the show notes at AmericanMobile.com slash Nursing Uncharted. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a guest. If you're a nurse interested in traveling, visit AmericanMobile.com to explore the largest database of travel nursing jobs in the industry and the amazing benefits that American Mobile has to offer. Also, a special thanks to producer Jonathan Carey, assistant producers Katie Schrauben and Sam McKay, and Aiden Dykes for the music and editing. Until next time, take care of yourself.